0: Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is College and Kimball. I'm your host, Jeff Burkhart. We unfortunately have an opt out on our show, guys. Sorry to our loyal listeners out there. Alex Beth is on the shelf tending to a couple of sick kiddos. I am, however, joined by Clint Wilson and Justin Netter. We are excited to dive into the Wildcats dominating 42 to 20 victory over the lsu tigers in the tax act texas Bowl. before we break down that game we'll ask you to go ahead and subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred app is give us a rating and review if you haven't had a chance to already and you can also find us on twitter at college underscore kimball so Got all the administrative items out of the way. Guys, let's go ahead and dive into this one. K State decisive in its victory over an SEC team. Uh, this was an LSU squad that came on at, uh, at the late stages of the season, was able to beat AM in the finale to get to bowl eligibility. They gave, and, and also, you know, that same AM squad beat Alabama LSU was six points away from beating the Tide in Tuscaloosa. There, There's certainly no lack of talent on this roster. However, as, as everybody, <laughs> and media pundits and, and everyone in between made abundantly clear in the days and weeks leading up to this game, LSU was going to be down several guys, be it opt outs, transfers, what have you. And as we got up closer to kickoff on January 4th, I believe it was Stuart Mandel who broke the number that LSU was going to be in uh, sub 40 in terms of scholarship players available for the game. Again, the normal limit is, is 85. So when that news broke, I admittedly, went into the place that I feel like a lot of K-State fans go where, oh man, we're going to we're gonna lose this, you know, we're going to lose that on this game because LSU is going to opt, you know, or as a program, LSU is going to decline to play and they're going to bail at the 11th hour. Fortunately, that did not end up being the case. Now, that, that, end, that being said, how confident were you guys when that news broke on Monday afternoon, you know, about a little bit more than 24 hours from kickoff. How confident were you that we were even going to be able to get this game played?
1: I was probably 50-50. I mean, obviously, the closer you get, I mean, the more confident you feel. Um, You know, a couple days out just for no reason other than just, you know, getting kind of nerves, uh, starting to get a little bit nervous there. But, uh, you know, it always seemed like they wanted to play. And some of these teams, just schools, you just got the feeling they just had no desire to Go no matter what. So it always seems like LSU wanted to play, and kudos for them to for showing up and you know giving K State an opportunity to go out there and play and kick their asses.
2: Yeah, I think 50-50 is probably about right for me as well. I will say when the stories started coming out the day of the game about them only having thirty-nine scholarship guys, like I knew that the roster was decimated. It felt like we were hearing about another opt-out or transfer or whatever you know about every other day there for a while. But I think when I actually saw the number on the day of the game, I got a little nervous thinking that like that would be a very K-State way to wrap this season up is have the game pulled out from under us the day of, you know, it feels like they were probably like one rolled ankle in warmups away from just being like, screw it, we're not playing. But uh, yeah, obviously, you know, pretty relieved when the game actually kicked, but I don't think I was ever super confident until it actually happened.
0: You guys certainly uh, were a little bit more bullish on this one than I was just uh, (laughs) just hearing one, I I guess, knowing weeks prior uh, to the game scheduled uh, uh, kick time, knowing that Max Johnson was going to be transferring. Miles Brennan was transferring. Those were QB one and QB two, like knowing that those guys were not going to be available. You started hearing more about players that were going to be transferring that were going to be sitting out to get ready for the NFL draft. and then. day before the game, it was Stuart Mandel who tweeted it out that LSU was down to 38 scholarship players. That's when I started to try and convince myself, okay, this is probably not going to happen. I I was honestly like, this is probably 10. I was like 10, 20% this, this thing goes. Uh, But to Clint, to your point, man, like major kudos to LSU. Like I, I, you know, if you're going to go out there and tout the SEC, you know, banner of it just means more than, than put up or shut up on that. And, and to their credit, you know, A&M, you know, A&M bitched out on their bowl game earlier in the year. Um, and LSU didn't. And that that's a credit to them. And uh, I saw the, the video that also got tweeted out from that Kirkland kid uh, that was you know he he said if we got 11 we're going to play and and you'd love to see that from from honestly anybody who's in the sport now this the the game has changed very drastically and I, I know a lot of people have thoughts on bowl games and how you know much meaning there is with with you know these quote unquote exhibitions but it's clear that they still matter to a lot of people you know you see. All these, you know, North Carolina and South Carolina playing in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. You know, you had Tennessee playing Purdue and a great game at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. That was a sold-out crowd. You had over like 50,000 Tennessee fans going in to take that one. I mean, these are these are games between. Seven and five, eight and four teams. Like it, it still matters a lot to the to the programs and to the fans. And to that point, again, I was just I was thrilled that LSU was willing to go out there and, and give it a go. And and the other thing too, to their credit, they they I don't ever feel like they truly just phoned it in. I, I think it was just an instance of them being extraordinarily conservative in their game plan, how they approached it and whatnot. We'll we'll dive into that in a little bit more detail here in, in just a few moments. But um, again. Awesome that we were able to, to get this game in, and uh, again thrilled that K State was able to hammer an SEC team uh, so decidedly. Uh, Big Twelve ends up going five and two in bowl games, so a nice little feather in the cap for the conference here. Uh, some good showings here in the postseason, and let's let's go ahead and and dive into the game that was. And we'll start off on on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, A wonderful curtain call performance from Skylar Thompson goes 21 of 28, tosses three touchdowns, no interceptions. K-State was was extraordinarily efficient in the passing game. Um, I guess I'll I'll start off just what did you like about what how Skylar Thompson was able to go out and execute on this this final home or not home game, but, but just final game?
2: think we lost clint so i'll jump in um so uh yeah one thing that i think kind of got lost in the shuffle is skylar was actually under some pretty intense pressure especially on the first few drives of the game i mean lsu really had guys flying around back there and you know he did a really good job stepping up in the pocket and finding open guys um we had to convert a fourth down on was it our first or second drive of the game he hit we ran like the trips right and he hit uh He hit Philip Brooks on like the five yard out to to pick it up on maybe fourth and two. Skyler had another pretty awesome run on fourth and two where he made a couple guys miss near the sideline. Um, You could definitely tell he wanted this one. You know, I I know he'd said someone asked him leading up to the game, you know, did you have any thought about opting out? And he said not in a million years. Like, you know, nobody wanted this one more than him. So, I mean, that's really cool thing to see a guy with such a storied uh, career. Be able to wrap it up on such a high note and play really one of his better games. Can you hear me? There you are. Okay, there sorry about
1: that, guys. Hopefully that doesn't keep happening. Yeah, I thought this is arguably Skyler's best game of his career. I mean, he looked super crisp out there. He was, um, you know, going through multiple reads. His arm strength looked as good as ever been. Doing a great job of avoiding those defenders, like you were saying, Nutter. Um, you know that uh, I think it was fourth down run. Where he kind of put his body on the line and uh, got those extra yards. Um, you know, you just knew that it was going to be one of those really good Skyler games. And to, with his career being pretty up and down, for him to be able to go out on this high note, you know, that's what we're going to remember as K State fans. And uh, that's just really awesome for him.
0: Spread the ball around as he uh, really a game. Kind of reminiscent of what he did against Oklahoma earlier in the year when he came back after that uh, that knee injury, uh, ends up finding. Uh, 10 different receivers in this one, did a great job, like I said, of distributing the ball. Phillip Brooks and Malik Knowles, uh, the top two guys in terms of targets and receiving yards. Phillip Brooks, man, he, he's just kind of been Johnny on the spot all year long. If, if it's a crucial third and short, if it's a fourth down, as you said, Nutter, he was in there making some, some big catches. He was honestly, I won't say he was robbed, but he was just... Inches away from having a couple of touchdowns in this contest, that reception on the far sideline going in on K-State's final touchdown of the game rolled out of bounds before the ball could break the plane of the goal line. And then uh, earlier in the contest, he had one similarly on the near side of the field, uh, where he caught it on a third and five or six, if memory serves, and ended up again. This was kind of similar to what we that concept that route concept that we ran against them on that fourth down on our first drive, where Phillip Brooks had the off man, uh, the safety was playing off of him, just ran it out, got the ball in space, and Skyler hit him on that wide side. So it was a good throw by him. Uh, and another uh, pass that I do have to also mention, that flag route to Brooks uh, running down the sideline, uh, where it looked like the safety was just going to light him up. Uh, Skylar dropped it in the bucket. Uh, like you guys said, he was just exceedingly crisp in this game. Um, I Can't recall uh, many bad throws. I guess the the one, if you really want to nitpick, the one uh, where we were trying to flare it out to Deuce Vaughn, and that defensive end read it perfectly, flare uh, just kind of flared out into the uh, into the boundary, and was in a position to pick it. It was shades of um, I, I'm spacing on the guy's name from Marshall many many years ago that took that ball and ran it. You know. Uh, John, I th- I want to say it was Goddard, or John Goddard, if memory serves, but took that Jeff Schwinn pitch 90 some odd yards for a Marshall touchdown. I, I, I saw that happen. I was like, oh, shit. But uh, fortunately, just a deflection there. Phil, uh, uh, not rather uh, Brooks, rather uh, Deuce Vaughn ended up hauling that one in and uh, <laughs> K-State, you know, they ended up scoring on the drive. All is well that ends well. Again, just a, a remarkably great uh, day for Skylar Thompson. Uh just from a from a career perspective here we we, we do have to talk a, a, about a couple of items and uh, th- there aren't many quarterbacks who accomplished what what he has accomplished 40 starts again that's a K-State school record he's got two 2000 yard passing seasons to his name there aren't many quarterbacks in K-State lore that that have that distinction. You know, you go back, Colin Klein uh, just barely missed it. Jake Waters was one. Of course he had uh, the 2013-14 seasons where he went over uh, 2,000 in each of those eclipsed 3,000 in his senior year. Uh, But Colin Klein did not have back-to-back 2,000 yard seasons. To go back a little bit further, Josh Freeman, uh, he did have back-to-back 2,000s in 07 and 08. And then once you get past you got to go all the way back to Chad May for the last quarterback to have two 2,000-yard passing seasons. So as far as like the overall K-State quarterback lore, Skylar's done some some great things uh, for this program, obviously, and for the position. And Clint, I know you love ranking guys, man. Uh, I'll, I'll start here with you then. Where, where do you put Skyler, just in terms of K-State quarterbacks, and I, I guess we'll, we'll leave it in the modern era because uh, I'm not going to press you and make you say, well, you know, Steve Grogan really had a couple of breakouts, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you just uh, go from the 90s on.
1: Um, you know, it's getting harder and harder to compare uh, players from this current generation to guys back in the 90s. I mean, I always kind of put them around Jesse Ertz. I think he's catapulted himself ahead of Jesse Ertz. Um, you know, then you kind of talk about like maybe – Matt Miller and Brian Kavanaugh. Uh, I was a big fan of Matt Miller. I mean, that was like the first quarterback I remember seeing at K-State. Hard for me to put him ahead of them, of him, um, but we only had one season of Matt Miller, um, and I was, you know, like seven at the time. So my recollection's not super great. It's more in highlights than actual uh, memories of games. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I'd probably put him ahead of uh, Jesse Yertz, just behind uh, Jake Waters, Um, you know, Josh Freeman's always a a divisive, uh, person to rank, you know, some people have him really high. Some people don't even want to rank him at all. Um, you know, it's just tough too, because he, um, Skyler has probably had the worst, uh, receiving core of any, uh, of these great quarterbacks that we talk about. I mean, obviously guys like, um, Dalton Schoen was more than serviceable, but not elite, not anywhere close to elite. Um, Pringles tearing it up in the NFL now, but you remember he was, you know, very talented, but also dropped a ton of balls early in Skyler's career. Uh, The guys he has now are very up and down. Uh, He didn't have a Tyler Lockett. He didn't have a Quincy Morgan, a Darnell McDonald. Um, You know, very hard to place him anywhere. You know, it's a cop-out, but... uh, you know, it's a guy who I'll always be a big fan of. You know, it maybe you look back on it a few years, and it'll be easier to rank the guy.
0: I'll say this. Uh, if you want to just go back to, like, the beginning of the Snyder 2 era, it's pretty pretty clear. It's it's Colin 1, Waters 2, and then Skyler 3. Now, if you want to go back further, include freeman and all the quarterbacks of the 1-0 era it does get a little bit more challenging than in that regard Uh, i guess i would say this um you know bishop and colin somewhere one two for most people l roberson likely going to check in at three this is when you start to introduce that josh freeman debate because a lot some people might have freeman up there at number four some people might have jonathan beasley in there some people might have chad may in there i mean there's a lot of different names but i, I certainly think in just in terms of of the effort that he got that you got out of him the way that he was able to propel this team uh, or not just this team necessarily but several of the teams that he led to some some heroic last minute wins I would say he's definitely in the flirting with that top five, but he's probably checking in at six or seven Uh, for most people. Again, I would probably have him somewhere in that, that Chad may Jonathan Beasley, Josh Freeman discussion. And that's something, you know, we can hash that out in the off season. We got a, we got a long way until uh, next September for the 2022 season kickoff. So um, it's, it it was still very fun uh, to watch him and I know the knock has always been we, we saw him come in and deliver so many clutch performances as a freshman. And we we were just always left wanting more. But in the same breath, you know, he had that 2018 season, which we talked about in the 2018, you know, the show we did way back when in the summer, uh, how the quarterback position was, let's say, mismanaged to be generous there. Yeah, and then he's got he only really you you only got one true full healthy season at a scholar which was 2019 and then you got the season in 20 when he's nicked up and and you lose him for the year after midway through the third game this season he's um not in and out but really you you lose him for a couple of critical points there and games you certainly felt like the texas game you obviously felt like you had more than a puncher's chance to go down there and get the win and the oklahoma state game another one where he was sorely missed there as well but I, I say all this to underscore the fact that I think fans definitely need to look back and be more appreciative of him, uh, appreciative of him rather. Uh, when we start talking about how he rates among K-State quarterbacks, uh, just here, not just of the modern era, but really going back to the beginning of the Snyder uh, 1-0 era, he was a he was a special talent. K-State's really not not had a a career guy, a franchise guy, for lack of a better term here, who's started you know multiple seasons. We we talk so much about the Snyder 1-0 era where you're really just plugging guys in. You know, like you said, Clinton. you had Matt Miller for one season. You had Brian Kavanaugh for one season. You only had Bishop for two, Beasley for two. L really only played two full years as a starter. Like you, you never really had a guy that was a bonafide starter, you know, year in, year out. And, and Skyler, we know fortunately didn't have the, the luxury of starting all four seasons, but he was still a guy as as, as of right now, as of recording and, and looking at the uh, the notes released by K-State, he, his uh, 40 starts are the most by any K-State quarterback, uh, at least going back to 1990. And I think that's uh, again, when you're in that that area, you have to take that into consideration. So he was a great talent to watch for sure. Uh, Nutter, I didn't give you a chance to chime in. Any, uh, any thoughts on Skyler outside of just what we got out of him against LSU last night?
2: Yeah. Honestly, I think you guys have waxed poetic enough. I'm pretty terrible at ranking guys anyway. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I guess I'll just kind of wrap it up and just say that, you know, he put a bow on a hell of a career, definitely a storied career, kind of a up and down roller coaster ride for sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I don't know that I can put a number on it just because there are so many different styles of play. The game itself has changed so much, but yeah, he'll definitely in my mind go down as one of the great quarterbacks in this program's history.
0: 24 victories for scour thompson in those 40 starts and you know other superl you know there there's plenty of other superlatives you can talk about you know the victories over the those top 10 oklahoma teams you can talk about you know the big upset down in stillwater and when he was a redshirt retro- uh, freshman i mean there's there's a lot of great moments uh in scour's career and, and it was like i said we've we've taught we- talk plenty about it, but it's just great to see him go out on a high note. And uh, we'll, we'll touch a little bit more on the game plan here uh, after we talk about another standout performance uh, that K-State got out of an offensive player, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, again, doing Deuce things. I, I hate to, to recycle the same expression came in and came out, but he's really, he truly has just become that reliable. Uh, for Kansas State. He he's, he finishes this season with 1,872 all-purpose yards, uh, that mark seventh in school history for a single season, 1,404 rushing yards, which is the fourth highest mark in K-State school history. And the game, I feel, was more about Skyler kind of concluding his career. But Deuce Vaughn, really did show out in a big way and i think has propelled himself into certainly dope walker conversation for the 2022 season but he's he's got to be looked at as a heisman contender next year you guys don't you think
1: yeah it, it seems like running backs don't win the heisman anymore unless you have a group of just garbage quarterbacks um but you know, as far as the preseason lists i think he'll definitely be on there you know, it's a lot easier for me to rank him in K-State history than it is for any quarterback. I mean, he's number two after Darren Sproles. As much as I love Daniel Thomas, I mean, you just throw in that running ability to go along with a threat as a receiver. I mean, he's just unmatched by anybody not named Sproles in K-State history. Um, you know, he, he started off the game a little bit rough. He He was getting five yards here, negative six yards here, four yards here, negative five yards here. But uh, after the offensive line settled down a little bit, then uh, he was just off to the races. And, uh, you know, I I always wonder uh, the way that we get upset with safeties missing tackles. Do other teams get upset with their players for missing Deuce Vaughn? Or are they just like, well, you know, it's Deuce Vaughn. There's not much you can do with him in open space because, I mean, the guy is just becoming kind of a a legend at K-State and it's starting to catch on elsewhere and people are starting to really take notice. I think he'll get a lot of pub going into this next season.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned his all purpose numbers that did. I did want to throw this out there. I looked it up earlier. He is going to finish the season ranked sixth nationally at 144 all purpose yards per game. I believe that's exactly what he had in the bowl game. So, I mean, if 144 is your baseline, that's, that that's, that's a hell of a player. Um, you know, my only concern with any Heisman talk is, Is aside from like Clint said, you know, running backs aren't typically, I think the game has evolved too much or the game has just transformed too much for running backs to be really seriously considered unless they're like generational talent. And the fact that the Heisman, I think is dictated by team success so much. If we're not making a legitimate run at the big 12 title next year, I don't know that he's going to have enough attention on him. Um, that said, I do think you know uh, a positional award like the Duke Walker is absolutely in play, um, and absolutely should be. I mean, when you're top ten nationally coming back only eligibility wise as a junior, yeah, you're you're going to need to be in some national discussions. I think. I won't say we're. I, I won't say we take him for granted, but we are definitely spoiled getting to watch him do what he does every week. I mean, I think it would. For people that, you know, for, for the younger generations of fans that are, that are too young to remember what Darren Sproles did, or were too young to appreciate it at the time, I think probably myself included a little bit. Um, it's pretty cool to, you know, essentially see a Sproles 2.0, you know, like this is kind of our, our generation's phenomenon. So yeah, he's, uh, definitely going to go down as, as one of the best ever to do it in Manhattan.
0: No doubt about it. And very much looking forward to what we'll see from him next season paired up with Adrian Martinez in the, in the backfield. And who knows, maybe Kai Thomas, uh, keep that in mind. Um, I don't, I don't don't know, I don't know anything about. There is no insider information on this podcast. Uh, PJ Fleck obviously has some thoughts about what K-State's been doing doing behind the scenes, but uh, man, that would be an awesome backfield to take in. But a couple other notes here uh, on Deuce, uh, 24 points, obviously, accounting for four touchdowns. That's a school bowl record uh, for Deuce. Uh, 21 touchdowns on the season for him. That ties for third in school history gotta uh, got so many other items to mention here 17 rushing touchdowns 5th uh, tied for 5th in school history uh had 900 uh, yard rushing games by deuce vaughn this year second in school history uh just missed darren sproles uh record by one game in 2002 um again he he was sensational and and i guess one thing we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about um what we got out of the offensive line. Uh, LSU credit to their their defensive front, they were getting in and disrupting the running game. And I, I think that was very clearly a, a point of that staff is to get in there and try and negate Deuce Vaughn because he's usually gonna be the first guy at the, the top of the scouting report. And uh, it did take K-State a minute to get him going, but Deuce ultimately again, ends up with 146 yards rushing three touchdowns and has the one receiving touchdown. Um, this one straight out of the Andy Reid playbook when K-State setting up shop inside the five yard line, throwing a little flare out to the uh, to the running back to get into the end zone. I loved love seeing that. And I I want to kind of pivot into a, a larger discussion. What's on a lot of people's minds right now was was Colin Klein, the inter, uh, getting the interim O.C., uh, Distinction, I guess, before this game coming up with the game plan, I guess just high level. How did you feel about the way that K-State went about attacking LSU?
1: I loved it. I mean, I don't know if this is just a we're having it's a bowl game. Let's have some fun against an opponent who's already, um, you know, down to their bare bones uh, squad or if that's kind of what we can expect going forward. If Colin Klein is the choice. Um, but uh, it was it was great to see because, you know, K-State doesn't have that kind of offense normally. Um, uh, it just seemed like everything was clicking. Skyler was uh, in the groove. The receivers were making plays. Deuce was doing Deuce things, and uh, the play calling was great. Um, I, I'm i all for Colin Klein being hired. I think that's already the choice. Um, you know, if they can keep that going next year, then be pretty happy with it.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, if you read between the lines, not even read between the lines, if you just read Kleiman's comments over the last week or so, I mean, I definitely think it was probably Klein's to lose. Um, He called a great game, that's for sure. I mean, if you, I don't know if you guys saw the quote from Philip Brooks uh, after the game, basically saying, you know, we were trying to score as fast as possible, whereas earlier in the year, it felt like we were playing not to lose. Like, it definitely seemed like a much more aggressive style of offense. I do hope, and I was talking to a buddy about this earlier today, I do hope that that wasn't just, you know, flash for, for for an audition. Like, I mean, if he wins the job, I hope that that is what we see next year. Not obviously, I know you're going to have to, you know, change it as your personnel changes, but, like, that would be pretty disappointing to see that kind of showing, knowing he's capable of calling a game like that and then him to kind of go into a, a shell and be a little more conservative like we're maybe used to. But, uh, no, if that's what we – like, if what we saw – Tuesday night is what he's capable of. I'm absolutely all for him getting that job.
0: So K-State ends up uh four hundred and forty-two yards total offense, averaged better than seven yards per play on just sixty-two snaps. Uh to your point, Nutter, the pace, you know, again, we we've talked so much on on the show throughout the course of the season how K-State's you know the overarching philosophy is to always play play possession football play complementary football have these long sustained drives and and i never really felt like that was the focus and it was nice to see that opening drive was really kind of the tone setter for me and that's where where it really did strike me as okay this this seems a little bit different now granted we were forced into some passing scenarios but you know Getting the ball out to to Landry Weber on third down. You're working the ball to Malik Knowles on that drag route. Just trying to like push the ball down the field. That that was the part that was nice to see. Now again, how much stock do you put into this against an LSU team that is, as we have alluded to several times, stripped down to you know less than half of a, a normal D1 scholarship roster with only 38 guys on scholarship available for the game is it really worth reading that far into i I, i'll be honest i kind of laugh at guys that that are saying oh man this is this is just this is what it's going to look like every game out like yeah this this would be awesome if we get to face you know a a roster like this every single saturday and that they're going to have to play this uber conservative game plan against us because they have no depth or anything else like i that that's again i'm not questioning whether or not that might be the way that colin tries to attack with a little bit more pace and tempo like i i, I think that's going to be part of the arsenal but in the same breath like you know you have to know and understand and acknowledge that the the guys on the other side of the ball there there will be more talent more depth and there will be more nuance to a game plan than what, what we saw from lsu I, I think again not trying to diminish too much from the effort because the guys they they did whatever they wanted that's what you love to see but this lsu team was playing the ball playing very conservatively it was like watching some of those later snyder 2-0 teams just with the a lot of a lot of off coverage it was a lot of but to skyler's credit he was finding guys in space he was hitting the right receivers making the right reads and did what a, what a senior quarterback should do he was just he was surgical in the way that he dissected that lsu defense so I, I I try like I said I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into into this just being the norm moving forward but I just did like philosophically some of the new things that uh, Colin did bring to the table and I, I think we're all going to go on record then we were, we're feeling pretty confident that Colin is the guy it just and the other thing on that front it just seems like there hasn't even been chatter about anybody else at this point either
2: a little bit early but nothing recently.
0: And I know Matt Wells was the big name that had surfaced initially. Then it was Tim Polasek, And then all of a sudden it becomes, you know, oh, the interim is now going to be the guy who gets promoted. And I guess, um, do you guys at a high level, do you have any issue issues with that? Because uh, the only reason I ask that question is because that always seemed like that was a huge gripe that K-State fans had with the Snyder 2-0, you know, approach to things is when you know, when Dana Dimmel leaves, when Dell Miller retires, when, you know, all these guys are leaving the program and we're and we're just simply promoting guys from within. Everybody seemed to be like, Why aren't we going out to find somebody else? Why aren't we trying to bring in new blood, new and fresh ideas and so forth? Does it bother you in that sense that Colin is just simply being promoted from within? Um, it it doesn't bother me in the sense of like, you know, new
1: ideas, new blood. It, The only thing that would worry me about it is if he does a bad job i mean are we going to be hesitant to get rid of him and bring in someone else because he's part of the k-state family because he's a k-state legend i mean i you know this is still you know we can say family all we want but we're trying to win games here and uh know, i have confidence in colin klein but if you know we go through all next season and our offense is terrible then you know that's you you know you got to move on and if if we're hesitant to do that because it's a k-state legend then then I, I wouldn't be a fan of this hire going into it. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully we don't have to deal with that. And, you know, a lot of those K-State fans out there are thrilled to have a staff full of K-State players and they're all into the family mantra and they just want to, you know, kind of bury themselves in the, in everything K-State and not have any outsiders in here. And, you know, if you're that kind of fan, then, you know, that, you know what you like, and that's fine. That's, that's not me, but uh, more power to you, I guess.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it It's easy sometimes to say, you know, that promoting from within was just kind of the lazy move or whatever, especially if it's a guy that's, like, already significant to the program. But, no, I mean, I definitely think he's – every opportunity he's had to earn it, he's knocked out of the park in the last few weeks for sure. Um, I do have a question for you guys. I'm curious, you know, he played – Semi-recently, especially compared to, you know, anyone else on our staff, you know, does like that him having the big 12, you know, ring from our most recent conference title or like being the Heisman finalist. I'm curious if you guys think that's any kind of like extra, like, does that give him any extra recruiting clout?
1: I think it does. I mean, I don't think the kids hear the name Colin Klein and they're like, oh, wow, Colin Klein. That's that's someone I really want to play for, um, you know, unless you're from Kansas or Colorado. But then you start to learn about him, you're like, oh, Heisman finalist. Oh, this guy uh, was pretty legit. I'm going to hear what he has to say. I, I think that would open the door. Um, you know, some people get the idea of thinking about him as a quarterback coach and like, oh, well, he, you know, he wasn't exactly a prototypical quarterback. How's right. he going to be, uh, you know, trying to coach up somebody's mechanics or something? And, I, you know, I don't think those always go hand in hand. Uh, he's not going to come in and just run the bill snyder offense necessarily i mean he he has his own brain he's a very smart guy i think he'll he'll come in and do some pretty good things and i don't know if he's going to continue coaching the quarterbacks or if they're going to move him over to the more messingham's role of tight end fullback and bring in a new quarterback coach but uh you know i'm, I'm very curious to see who they do bring in for those uh, last two coordinator or not coordinator but uh, positions
0: I think Colin's name still resonates somewhat. Now the other the, the thing that's really hard for me to fathom uh, just because <laughs> I feel like I'm getting older and older every day, man. But that big 12 title run, that was 10 years ago. So the kids that you're, you're, that he's going out to recruit now, those, those kids were set, you know, six, seven, eight. When, when K-State had that run back in 2012. Now, I think Clint's point is very valid once, you know, Colin gets in your living room and whatnot, and he's talking to you, and and he certainly doesn't seem like the type, well, why don't you, you know, Google me and and check check the Heisman finalist voting from 2012? (laughs) Like, he certainly doesn't strike me as that type, but I think, you know the kids that do their homework and, and see who they're going to play for. And, and that's the other thing, you know, do you, do you as a coach say like, this is, you know, go and, go and watch the way that we attack back in this season. This is, you know, we, we want to introduce some of these concepts and I mean, helps that you have a, a Tyler Lockett in those, in those reels from 2012, that helps that you have a Chris Harper in there as well. And you got a bunch of NFL offensive linemen on that 2012 squad as well. So I, I think I, I was kind of lukewarm on this idea, and, and I, I have already been more than willing to eat crow on this. I, I honestly I did not think this this bowl game was going to be anything more than, than just simply giving Colin the interim tag and then going out and bringing in the guy. When I heard the name Tim Polasek and I heard the North Dakota State connection, I was like, OK, that that seems pretty obvious that that's the direction that Kleiman's going to lean, but the fact that he's willing to go the younger route with Colin and a guy that's, that's, you know, honestly more familiar with today's game and and some of the concepts that K-State ran in 2012 are are concepts that still work today, you know, and, and some of these guys who are, who are older and a little bit more, you know, antiquated in their thinking, let's say, um, and uh, frankly, that might be a reason why you know, Courtney Messingham got the ax at the end of the days because of the way that he approached and thought about game planning and whatnot. So I I think Colin, again, I think getting a younger mind in there and getting a guy that's still a little bit closer to what today's game is, I think that'll ultimately be beneficial for this team. And I I look forward to seeing what will actually look like against, you know, a full bonafide D1 roster, you know, again, not to again, cite the depleted fact, uh, the depleted LSU roster fact, the, the fine, uh, broadcast crew on ESPN made, made everybody abundantly, uh, aware of that last night. But again, I, I'm excited to see what Colin's going to bring to the table on that front, but we've, we've hit on the offense plenty here. Uh, any other notes that you guys wanted to hit on, uh, before we s- switch over to the defensive side of the ball?
1: Just really impressed with the way the offensive line played. You know, I think that was the best game they played all year. They're opening up huge holes uh, for Deuce to run through, um, making a nice pocket for Skyler all day long. And Skyler's doing a great job of stepping up into it, something he struggled with his whole career but has done a really nice job of ever since he came back from his injury this year.
0: Yeah, it took him a little bit, like you said, to kind of get into the flow of the game, but... Um... I know I I cited this a little bit earlier. I I don't think LSU quit, but I think K-State really did start to lean on them once they got up 14 to nothing. One, and especially, and this was kind of the moment and a good point to kind of pivot here. When, When Yeast got that interception, that's where I kind of felt like, okay, it's time to roll. And, and and to that point, the guys took care of business and, and that's when the offensive line really started to eat and open up holes for deuce. And, and he didn't need a lot. He was putting guys on skates and, and freezing guys in open field. You, you love to see that. And again, to, to flex on a, an sec defense, the way that they did pretty, pretty awesome. And it was great to see those guys go out on high note as well. Let's go ahead and move over. Talk about the defensive side of the ball here. Uh, Tail of the tape, first and foremost, uh, 308 yards of total offense for LSU, 6.4 per play, uh, significantly inflated by the chicken shit 81 yard touch double reverse touchdown that they ran on the final play from scrimmage. Um, admittedly, uh, I'll, I'll just give the listeners a little peek behind the curtain here since ESPN is a band of assholes that thought it would be awesome to kick off a game at eight o'clock central time Um, i dozed off after skylar and the guys got the curtain call um, and i was like okay there's a couple minutes left you know and and i I, admittedly i was holding my daughter who had fallen asleep on me so i just fell asleep and then i i kind of perked back up a few minutes later and i see the final score was 42 to 20. and I was just like, oh God, we took a, we took Skyler out and Will Howard came in and something terrible happened and now everybody's going to be shitting on Will Howard on Twitter and every, everywhere in between. And no, fortunately, that was not the case. It was just LSU, again, busting out a, um, <laughs> a pretty wild play. You probably should have uh, gone to the bag of tricks a little bit earlier there mr davis uh the interim head coach for lsu but uh and also i thought it was pretty comical to hear uh, i don't remember the play-by-play announcer's name but he he used this, he used the expression exc- exclamation point on the game i was like lsu just went from losing by 28 points to losing by <laughs> 22 points that's that's not an exclamation point that's kind of a a weird punctuation on a season that just ended for them at six and seven. So I don't know why they use that term, but uh, neither here nor there. The defense uh, was rock solid throughout. They, uh, if you take out that 81-yard touchdown pass on the final play of the game, uh, just 4.8 yards per play uh, for LSU. K-State, a little bit of trouble tackling. That was probably my one big gripe there. Um, LSU's offensive line credit to them. They were, they were getting guys, you know, getting to the second level and moving some guys around. But, um, Clinton, one thing that you pointed out when they tried to run wide, our guys in the secondary and backers were doing a great job of cutting guys down in space. That was nice to see.
1: Yeah, man. Um, you know, I noticed Reggie Stubblefield getting in there a lot, even if he wasn't making the tackle, he was clearing out guys, uh, forcing them back to the other defenders. Um, I you know this this team's defense was just fun to watch all year. There was a couple games where they didn't perform all that well, but um, you know, led by uh Felix for most of the year, and um, you know, Daniel Green was just an absolute force all year long. Um, he had a couple big hits in this one too. Um a lot of guys are coming back, definitely gonna miss guys like Rusty East, uh, Stubblefield had a great one year players with those guys, but, uh, there's a good core coming back and you know, I, I liked what they did for the majority of this game against LSU. Um, uh, my only gripe was, man, I wish Echo could have gotten his head around and, uh, at least swatted down that first touchdown pass. Uh, I thought he was in decent position and just didn't look for it. But, uh, other than that and the little bit of tackling issues you were talking about, they played a pretty great game.
2: Guys, how about, uh, Everybody's favorite scapegoat, Ross Elder, leading the team in tackles, coming up with his first career pick. I mean, you cannot wrap up your career any way better than that. I mean, no, for real, though, It the entire defense, it's really hard. To, like, it, again, it, we're being nitpicky in a three-touchdown win. But, yeah, the, there were a lot of times, I think Alex said it last night, um, you know, the first guy there wasn't actually making the tackle. And a lot of times, you know, three-yard losses went for two-yard gains, which, fine, you know, like – they weren't turning that into points. So it didn't matter. And it's, you know, it's the end of the year anyway, but all that to be said, yes. You know, if you take away their last couple of drives, I mean, that was really just straight domination by the defense, which you would obviously expect, you know, when they're running a quarterback out of position out there and stuff, but at the same time, you still got to line up and do it. And those are still four and five-star guys they're doing it against. So yeah, I mean, it's just, just a solid all around effort.
1: Yeah, and talk about Ross Elder. I mean, never in my life have I seen a player make such huge strides and improvements as he had. I mean, just going through a guy that everyone wanted just nowhere near the field to being one of the better players in our defense, honestly. is just really incredible.
2: I would not be upset at all if he uh, had a change of heart and was back next year.
0: Yep, completely agree. 11 stops for him on what could potentially be his final game as a wildcat you mentioned the the one interception got returned the 32 yards that k stayed up for a touchdown um and that was the play where uh <laughs> i don't i didn't actually have a chance to see it and, and, and no twitter video has surfaced but when Kleiman just got apparently taken out on the sideline and you know you see other guys running to his aid, and you're wondering, God, what the hell happened? But yeah, I've i not had a chance to see it. So if anybody's gotten any Twitter video uh, or any <laughs> anything that that surfaced on uh, any form of social media, send that our way. Um, but yeah, this this was a game. Honestly, th- this reminded me a lot of when you're playing an NCAA and you're playing on like varsity, and you're just it, it was it was systematic. Your defense is literally just shutting them down. Three and out, they punt. You score a touchdown. Three and out, they punt. You score another touchdown. Like that was that was really just how this game flowed. And, and again, yeah, you, you don't create a lot of plays behind the scrimmage in this one. K State only with three tackles for loss in the game, uh, but they do force the two interceptions. I know a big stat that I always harp on is is havoc rate, and, and to that point, you don't have many havoc plays in this <clears throat> contest. But really, uh, LSU was was kind of hamstrung with. With John Trey Kirkland coming in there, the converted wide receiver playing quarterback, and I think um, the interim coach uh, Brian Davis, or what, it was Brad, Brad. Davis, was. Uh, thank you, Nutter. Um, I think he knew that putting the ball in the air, probably in excess of of fifteen to twenty times, was going to be a problem <laughs> for for LSU. So you don't really have a lot of opportunities to to eat in the pass rush and, and make plays. You know sacking the quarterback getting in the backfield and whatnot and and, but still though the defense does put together another rock solid performance and really this this kind of circles into another talking point that i saw a lot of k-state fans bringing up on twitter is you know everybody keeps citing oh if, if skylar was healthy we would this team would have won 10 games this team would have won x number of games I just keep thinking back, man, if if the defense, if we got the defense, we, we, we did for the second half of conference play, this group would have absolutely had an opportunity to play for a big 12 championship. They, that really, if they had just had their heads on straight in that little three game stretch against Oklahoma state, Oklahoma and Iowa state, I certainly think they would have been able to pick up at least one, if not two of those games, which again, that obviously drastically changes the calculus on the overall standings in the big 12 who ends up representing you know who ends up in one of those top two spots but I, i just loved watching this defense play uh in the later you know as we got to the later stages of the season um and so many fun memories thinking back on it and i don't want to talk too much like about the season that was but but man, it was it, it, it was it was just really fun to see the transformation and, and Klanderman really like he dude earned his paycheck this year. Like he 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 did a, a huge heel turn 180 with this group from where they were in 2020 to where they got to here in 2021. It was just really refreshing to see the guys make that uh, transition. Go ahead, Netter.
2: Yeah, I was going to I just looked it up. Uh, 29th nationally in total defense is where K-State will finish this year. And if we, uh, I know you're, you're really, you're really harping on that trick play. They ran at the buzzer. If not for that play, you're looking at a top 25 defense this year. Ah,
0: (laughs) and I, and again, I shouldn't really care about that part of it to like the top 25. That's just a, you know, that's a construct and everybody think, you know, when you hear top 25, you think about the AP top 25, you think about a, you know, cause that's just an easy site for broadcast or easy stat for broadcast crews to cite during games and whatnot. But, but yeah, this, this group was, was really remarkable for all, but about, you know, three games this season. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have another episode where we'll kind of unpack more of the superlatives talk more about the seat you know the season that was we'll, we'll hand out our our end of year awards to, to various players and whatnot but um again uh, i can't say enough about what we we saw from this defense here in, in this contest uh and, and looking just at the drive chart for lsu three plays punt three plays pick and then they have the one long touchdown drive 13 plays 75 yards touchdown then three plays punt stopped on downs, pick punt. And then again, after it's 42 to seven, we're already into garbage time as far as the S and P metrics go like, and then they get a couple of late garbage time touchdowns, you know, in the final seven minutes of the game. This, it, it, again, it was a dominant showing by these guys. And I guess that, that kind of segues into the the, the next point that I wanted to, to touch on here of guys that you're going to miss the most. And, and honestly, I think, a lot more so about defensive guys in this category and mainly one, I think you already hit on him. Clint Stubbs is going to be a guy that I think we all miss uh, miss drastically, but who else are are you going to miss just not only with the play that he gave you, but the attitude, the energy, everything in between.
1: Are we talking about just defense or the whole team? Anybody. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously we're all going to miss Skyler, but he's, you know, he's been here for a long time. I am I'm kind of ready to see, like, what else we can do at quarterback. Um, and that, hopefully that doesn't come off negatively towards Skyler at all. But, um, yeah, Stubbs is a guy who just – I'm so sad we only got him for one year. I mean, as good as he is on the field, I mean, just his attitude is as much fun to watch as any K-State player I can remember since, I don't know, maybe Josh Buell. Um but, uh, yeah, just, just there's a lot of guys on this team that I really love. I mean, Russ Yeast is a guy who I really didn't expect that much of coming into the year. I thought he was kind of just in so-so transfer, and he went on to have really an incredible year. Um, you know, the good news is there's a ton of guys on this team that are coming back that are huge studs, and I'm really looking forward to continue on in their career
2: um one guy that probably doesn't get enough praise is uh timmy horn for sure and i would be remiss if i didn't say congrats to him uh being a new dad i mean if you're gonna miss a bowl game i can't think of a better reason so um no but uh you know obviously he was a a huge body who you know definitely clogged up the middle clint i think you said it off air before we started filming that you know they were definitely picking up some chunks um you know just right up the middle um especially early in that game. So, you know, Timmy Horn might have been a little more missed than we realized. Obviously, massive news getting Eli Huggins back. But, yeah, he's a – I mean, and, and, and he was obviously kind of a fan favorite anyway. You know, I think he really left a good impression when he first got to Manhattan. And he'll, he'll definitely be a guy that wasn't here long, but I think will be missed.
0: Mm-hmm. Another couple of names. Uh, Boom Massey, again, another guy kind of – Really in that defensively, he's kind of the, the, the same vein as Skyler battled injuries throughout his career um, and even in, in, in this season. And, and and unfortunately, it was kind of usurped in his role just by the emergence of Felix and everything. And uh, but it, he'll, he'll be a guy that will definitely be missed a great presence, I'm sure, in that uh, that locker room. Um Offensively, I think about a guy like Josh Revis, who had a really, really remarkable uh, end to his career this season. Um, uh, Noah Johnson, another guy that everybody, uh, I guess, has, fans have mixed feelings uh, about him. But I, I think, again, anytime you lose a center and somebody who, Connor Riley, the offensive line coach held in, in very high regard. You're you're always gonna miss that presence and 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 we've already touched on Skylar plenty. You know, he he's meant a ton to this team in, in so many different capacities. He'll he'll will certainly be missed, but it'll be it'll be fun to turn the page and, and see what the the next chapter of K State football is going to look like. Now, um as as we get set to do that, I think it's an opportune time to uh, let's go out and give our out, uh, give out our final uh, round of awards here for the bowl game. We'll start off with the Michael Bishop Team MVP award, and pretty fair debate that you can be that can be had here between Deuce Vaughn with the four touchdowns, Skylar Thompson, twenty one of twenty eight, two fifty eight passing three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, What's everybody's lean here? Uh, I think either one would be a fine
1: candidate. I would lean towards Skyler um, just because I think he, I mean, not just the fact that it was his last game. I just, I mean, he played as good as I've ever seen him. Uh, He really led the charge early. Um, He
0: was making everybody out there better.
2: Yep, no no disagreement here.
0: Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll I'll concur on that front. It was and again, it was great to see the the marriage there too of 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 Colin knowing the circumstances here, knowing okay, we got a senior who wants to go out and lay it all on the field, and let's let's incorporate a game plan that actually gives this kid an opportunity to go out there and wing it around a little bit. And and to that point, again, Skyler was as as sharp. Uh, as he's been all season long. So it was great to see him go on a high note. So Skyler will get our team MVP then. Uh, so he will receive the Michael Bishop Award for K-State's performance against LSU in the bowl game. That means pretty easy selection. Then for our offensive MVP, the Darren Sproles Award will once again go to Deuce Vaughn. We've already touched plenty on his uh, contributions to the Cats in this ball game. Uh,
1: Oh, I just clicks. want to say one thing about Deuce Vaughn, that touchdown reception he had, that short out or whatever route it was, just the way he caught it and just so seamlessly turned the ball back inside to cross the plane. I mean, he that looked as good as any receiver I've ever seen, just like the coordination to be able to catch it, instantly have it, uh, you, know, you know, not bobbling it or anything, turn it and get it in there. Um, it just amazes me how good he is as a receiver to go along with his running abilities.
0: And again, I, I, I cited Andy Reid there because, again, that that's one of those like finesse goal line plays. You feel like you see the Chiefs roll out there, you know, with, with Tyreek and Kelsey and everything. And, and honestly, that that reaction that Deuce had, that's kind of where I was like, man, that was, you know, that's like Kelsey catching it and feeling the linebacker and turning it upfield and immediately just knowing, oh, I got to just get, reach it right here to get it to the goal line. Like, again, it, we, we know Deuce Vaughn is, is – a, a, an exceptional talent and has a great nose for for the end zone and everything in between he, he just he's an innate football player like he, he can't say anything else about him other than uh, beyond that he it was great to see him go out there and and help lead the charge for this offense against lsu so again 146 yards rushing four deuce three touchdowns on the ground and then uh, the two uh, excuse me yes the two receptions Lost three yards. We mentioned that one that he scored on, but he also had the the screen that got that almost <laughs> was a pick six uh, that he ended up catching, but he ended up getting tackled behind the line for that one, so lost three yards there. But uh, Nutter, you touched on it, ended up with uh, 143 all-purpose yards, and he averaged 144 for the season. So the model of consistency, Deuce Vaughn, is our Darren Sproles award winner for offensive MVP. So next uh, award we'll go to will be the Mark Simino selection here for the defensive player of the game. We talked about Ross Elder, 11 stops for him, the bi- uh, the big interception uh, in the second half. Uh, Daniel Green and Cody Fletcher, each with uh, six tackles in this one. Daniel Green, as he always does, dude lives in the backfield. He had two of K-State's three tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Um, and again, it was one of those games. I know I kind of mentioned it too. It's just one of those you're 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 so dominant and and decided in, in your advantage where K State was really just it was forcing LSU, you know, three and out punt, three and out punt, and it was just one of those where LSU might get a couple of yards here and there, but it, you weren't seeing a lot of guys just weren't seeing the big explosive plays in the backfield or anything. But um, to that point, I guess. What are your guys' feelings on on defensive MVP? Do we want to go ahead and give the nod to, to Ross here or are we maybe feeling Daniel Green or somebody else?
2: You guys got on to me for not tweeting it during the game, so I'll just say it here. Respect your elders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nutter pulled something when he uh when he's been saving that one for a minute
2: there. I yeah, needed I him we... to pick the damn ball off first.
1: <laughs> been waiting his whole career for that one. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I'm good with either
0: of those guys. You know what, Ross, uh, as far as we know right now, Daniel Green's coming back, and uh, we certainly don't foresee that changing anytime soon. So you know what, Ross, we'll let you go out on a high note there. So Ross Elder is the recipient, though, for the Mark Simino Award for the defensive MVP. We'll move next to uh, special teams. uh, And the David Allen Award here. You had Ty Zettner stepping in at, at place kicker uh, since Chris Tennant was out and Zetner uh, connected on all of his PATs. He did miss the 54-yard field goal. Frankly, that shouldn't have even happened. I know this was one play we didn't talk about Nutter, but I know you harped on this quite a bit. You know, why the hell did Malik try to turn that one back inside when he had that return? That should have probably been a touchdown um, on the drive that ultimately ended up in Zettner missing that field goal. But um It was a pretty ho hum day as far as returns go. Philip Brooks, though, did have that nice punt return uh, when he went about you know eighty some odd yards. It only ended up picking up nineteen there. Uh, But how do we feel as far as our specialists go or special teams award goes? So
1: I'm hoping I'm not thinking of the Chiefs game. But there was one ki- There was one kickoff where they uh, they basically got through unblocked and tackled them uh, very close to the end zone. Do you remember who who got through and made that tackle or
2: three or four guys? Honestly. Okay. Yeah.
0: Let me uh give me a minute here. Let me check it. Damn, uh, I believe Damp that's
2: what me. set up because they never got out of the shadow of their own goalpost on that drive. Austin Moore credited with the tackle there.
1: Okay. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Ty Zentner coming in never uh, had kicked any kind of extra points or field goals in his career at K-State. I know he did some at Butler. Um, So him being true on all those extra points, uh, I I don't blame him for missing that 54-yarder. You know, It's kind of rough your first ever field goal attempt, 54
0: yards. 50-plus. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I, I said it when he was lining it up. I said this is probably about the lowest pressure kick this guy will ever have.
0: Yeah. Also, though, I think we we got uh, almost now that I talk about it, 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 I think we have to give it to Zettner for getting the personal foul for the taunting penalty uh, <laughs> on the PAT, because, uh, again, this, this gets back to that point I brought up a little bit earlier about whether or not these these games matter. The, the guys were going out there and they were having fun and you could tell they they wanted to go out and win and, and dominate this game the way that they knew that they could and should and they and to that point like when when you're you know your backup place kicker your punter is coming in and talking shit to these guys that like that that dude was not small either. that was like a 300 pound defensive tackle no, <laughs> like, that put
2: his shoulder into a man that was easily two of him
0: <laughs> yes like that could have ended very poorly for Zettner, but again i i love the moxie on his part so i, I think we got to give it to our boy ty zentner i'll take silence to mean we're moving on so in our heads. Uh, next w- yep what's that
1: we're not in our heads yep
0: <laughs> all right on we go then john hubert award for the unsung hero um
1: so i i had a few thoughts on this one uh ty zentner was actually going to be a nomination here but uh uh i i didn't know Malik, malik knowles probably isn't much of an unsung hero when you get two uh touchdowns but uh you know those were those were pretty major plays they weren't just easy you know running your route open get in there i mean the first one he put on a He broke away from one tackle and then, uh, you know, he was still like five or six yards out from the end zone when he met that defender and was able to shake him just enough and dive in the end zone. And then his second touchdown, the, uh, you know, that looked like the defender had a pretty good shot at a pick there and he was able to reach back behind himself and pull that in, which was a ball that he dropped pretty frequently the year before. So good to see him to get that one. Uh, like I said, that might be a little too much to be unsung, but I definitely wanted to mention it, if nothing else.
2: I, I want to add, too, Clint, that that first touchdown was on third and ten, and that was still in, like, a pretty iffy field goal spot for having to throw, you know, our punter out there to take that field goal on our first drive. So, I mean, yeah, no, he's not, it, it's hard when you're saying your first receiver is your unsung hero, but, like, kind of hard to ignore, you know, how clutch some of those plays were.
1: Mm-hmm some other nominations uh Ben Sennett, uh, he had that one uh, first down uh looked like a Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid play um you know he got a lot of playing time playing fullback h back tight end uh doing a great job in there blocking uh Cade Warner uh, got a pass interference call moved the chains had another couple big catches um you know getting a lot of Screen time for his dad and his mom on the TV broadcast. (laughs) And then, of course, Landry. I mean, he goes out early with that uh, injury, hoping that's nothing too severe that he won't be able to recover from quickly. But he had those two big catches to start out the game.
0: I honestly – the first guy you brought up, man, Malik, it's so weird to cite him as an unsung, but really – he, um, you could absolutely spin it that way in my mind, because he was like the kind of the third story, like the third or the fourth storyline in this game for Kansas state, just because you had such a dominant performance by your offensive line, opening up these huge holes for Deuce Vaughn, you know, once you got past about the first quarter, you had Skylar Thompson, again, remarkably efficient in his outing. Uh, he, he, Malik Knowles hauling in two touchdown uh, receptions does just kind of go by the wayside, which is so weird to say for, for a team like K-State, where we, you know, Skyler only had, I think it ended up with 12 passing touchdowns on the season. So when, when, when you have a guy haul in two, uh, I know I, it is weird to, to think of that as kind of an unsung type of effort, but I, I really do think uh, Malik deserves it in this sense. Uh, you know, yeah, you could make some arguments for the other ones, but I think Malik, just by, by virtue of, of contributing as much as he did uh, against LSU, I think he deserves some kind of distinction. So we'll give him our award for J- our John Hubert Award for the unsung hero. Um, last one, uh, or rather, we got two more left the Arthur Brown Award for the newcomer of the game. This is another one where, man, like, I feel like Stubbs is a, always a guy that's in contention here. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else that's Russ, really jumping off. Russ got the interception. There. Yeah, Russ is in there.
1: Um, a matter, of Bebe. You know, he has done a great job all year when he's been able to uh, get on the field. Um, he had a couple of nice catches that uh, you know. Probably not that memorable as far as the game goes, but it's just nice to see him get out and uh, get some production out there.
2: Yeah, I think honestly, my vote's probably gonna go. Uh, I'm probably gonna go with Russ East. Uh, with, with that pick that really kind of set us up to put the game out of reach early.
0: I was actually just about to say that uh, that was when the game was 14 to nothing. You got that set you up on the LSU side of the field and. And that that was kind of the moment when you knew. Um, And I think that's a that's a good one to good bone to throw his way. So Russ East is going to get our our um, Arthur Brown Award for the newcomer of the game. And then finally, the Trey Walker Award given to the player who delivered the moment of the game. Um, Eric (laughs) Hommel. Hey man, he, he knew where he, he knew exactly where the sideline was, knew where he needed to be. Got underneath that one, made the catch like that. That was a tough play. Um uh god, there's It's so hard when it, it it's a game where you, you are just so dominant. Uh, do you guys have any plays <laughs> that just kind of jump out at you? Uh, yeah, the
2: first play that go ahead, Clint, sorry.
0: Well, Malik Knowles' uh first touchdown
1: um, really stands out. It's an impressive play. Um, deuce Vaughn's uh, shimmy, shake touchdown really stands out. Uh, but the one that really got me going and had me like thinking, okay, this is going to be a great game for this guy is Skylar Thompson's, uh, fourth down run, I believe is on the second possession of the game. Um, it just looked like vintage Skylar. He's been kind of hesitant to run it through most of the year through the injuries. Uh, but seeing him do that, you just knew, like, okay, this this game means a lot to these players, and especially Skylar Thompson.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely the play I was going to mention. I mean, he was – frankly, it looked like he was dead in the water about two yards deep in the backfield, and he made that cut just near the sideline and just basically hurled himself past the sticks. So uh, I don't know if you guys saw Kleiman's reaction, but that, that that guy even got Kleiman pretty fired up. So, yeah, that's definitely – and at that point, I think it was only 7 nothing. So, I mean, you know – you never know at that point. So like, and then that we're able to go, you know, effectively start driving the nail into the coffin when we get up two scores. So yeah, that would be my moment for sure. Good call.
0: Uh, And one, uh, again, we've already touched on that play. I can't believe I spaced on it there, but yeah, that was, uh, and you were, you were right on that one nutter. That was K-State's second possession. So the game, the the outcome certainly still very much uh, in doubt there. So Gotta go, gotta give Skyward just a little bit more love here. So give him two awards uh, for his final game as a Wildcat. So Skyward Thompson with that fourth down keeper to get the first and extend a drive and get K-State its second touchdown of the game. That will be our final award for him as he receives the Trey Walker award for the player who delivered the moment of the game. So those are our awards for The wildcats again 42 to 20 victory over lsu in the tax act texas bowl um i I guess before we do just kind of wrap things up with the fantasy side of things um (laughs) there was a lot like uh, i i don't know about you guys but like just seeing the reaction from K state fans on Twitter and seeing something like the, the crowd shots and, and whatnot. This was just kind of a fun game. I remember I, I saw like there was a crowd shot of some guy that was wearing a Jersey that said Raptor on the back. And I remember seeing the guy with the suspenders that had the sucks at football sign. But, uh, dude, if you're going to do that, you got to make sure the leading letter, <laughs> you got to make sure it lines <laughs> up. Uh and, but i said it on i said it. that's like you got one out of three you know that's an mlb hall of fame sign but yeah this was i guess i'll just say that you know for for all the 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 crap that the espn broadcast crew put, put out there about whether or not this game should be played the 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 love fest that you got you know with the the brian kelly interview that seemingly ate up like the entire second quarter just I got to say, this was a fun one to take in. It was a fun one to watch. And I guess the question that I'll ask you guys uh, where do you rank this in terms of K State Bowl victories? This one does
1: feel at least a little bit special. I know, man, LSU fans are losing their mind to try to tell us that this is not special at all. But, uh, you know, this is our first um, real exciting Bowl win for for a while now, it seems. Uh Kind of blanking. When when was our last bowl win? The
2: cactus. So they have all like. The sorry, cactus yeah, bowl the, and yeah. Bills the next, the next to last bowl year game. against UCLA.
0: Uh-huh. Okay, and which, that was which, again another instance when he had an interim head coach too. <laughs> Jed Fish was that for UCLA.
1: Yeah,
0: and that that bowl was fun, but it didn't
1: move the needle as much as some other ones. I really liked the last Texas bowl against. Uh, Texas a and that was a very fun one for me. That's a fun um, so th- this is probably my favorite bowl since then, at least. Um, So it- it's been a while since I've enjoyed a bowl game this much.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, the one that, and I drew the comparisons before the game even, but like this one just seems most comparable to that Buffalo Wild Wings bowl where we went out and pretty well just ran over Michigan. You know, yeah, and again, it's, they, they were kind of lame duck that year. I think that was the last year of Brady Hoke, and he hadn't really gotten it done there, and like, you know, this year, obviously, yes, LSU was you know basically putting a skeleton of their roster out there, but you lined up and played. So, what's going to happen is going to happen. You know, it's kind of like March Madness. You can only play who you draw, right? Like you can't take that. Like again, I'm I'm not going to feel bad for, you know, going out and absolutely beating the crap out of a team that just so happened to win the national championship two years ago. Like,
1: yeah, it, it, especially when K State has gotten such bad draws and so many bowls throughout our history. I mean, just the fact that we get this advantage in this one, I'm yeah, like you said, I'm not going to feel bad about it at all.
2: No, but uh, yeah, no, it was definitely you know, and the fact that we got up early and were really just kind of able to coast, and you know, Skyler was able to go out on such a high note, and so many other guys. It yeah, it was really just, I mean, super enjoyable, pretty much beginning to end. Obviously, kind of obnoxious the way the game literally ended with that receiver flipping it to another receiver who throws it to another receiver. You know, like whatever it kind of an obnoxious way to end, but like, no, it was really, really nothing to complain about with this one at all.
0: I will say this much about the bowl game. It really is a matter of both perspective and perception and kudos to the K state fan who went on and posted the link to the YouTube video of the LSU fan reaction. Uh, the guy who looked like Joaquin Phoenix's alcoholic cousin, um, that guy went on what I can only presume is roughly an hour-long rant about why LSU should not have played the game. I listened to, admittedly, a few minutes of it. But the, the, the crux of what I got just kind of scanning through it was LSU had no incentive to play, which admittedly is true. I, I'm not going to contest that point. But when he continues to to cite the quote k-state being the shittiest program ever just shitty shitty sh- like okay dude you know yes if if we want to factor in the 100 years of football pre-bill snyder and, and use scores that happened pre-world war or rather records that uh, uh, that occurred pre-world war ii yes K- k-state historically has been one of the worst programs in college football but it's been three plus decades. This program's been to over 20 bowls since 1990. You know, we've had eight 11 win seasons. We've won conference championships. You, you know, this, you, you certainly can't be judging the program through the 1989 lens versus the 2021 lens. That's, that's my, my take on it, but obviously we can't help the LSU fan in that regard. From the K-State perspective, yes, take it with a grain of salt in the sense that LSU was a, this iteration rather of the LSU roster was significantly depleted. But in the same breath, even with those only 38, 39 scholarship guys that were available, I I honestly still maintain that there's probably more NFL draft picks within that contingent of LSU players than there are on the K-State sideline. I certainly, excuse me, I certainly hope that I'm wrong there. And I, I hope that Kleiman can, put more guys into the NFL over the course of the next four years than than we'll see come out of that, you know, that pack of LSU players. But at the end of the day, LSU, even knowing the circumstances, said they wanted to go play. And and I will forever give them credit for that, for wanting to go out and compete. And they lined up with their guys. We strapped it up and lined up with our guys and K-State. Was dominant in, in this victory, you you don't as a as a fan and as a program you, you don't need to apologize for that. They when you go out and play, this is why we keep score, you know. And I also think you know while this again to kind of pivot back to that LSU fans' reaction, like how K State's reaction to the Texas Bowl, he just kept citing the Texas Bowl, like. Yeah, I, I understand that this this bowl game in, in LSU lore might not mean a whole lot of anything, but on the K-State side of it, I, I think you do have to acknowledge, one, yeah, yes, this bowl game is not maybe nationally meaningful, but for Kleiman and his staff to go and dangle the carrot out there to get the guys as motivated and as hyped as they were, like you could tell that they were really... Jack to play this game and they wanted to go out and win i think that's worth something and that's that's the thing i'm going to take away is that even even with this group knowing that lsu had a decimated roster even with this group knowing that this bowl game and 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 you have weeks of people like on on espn and hearing it on radio and pot and college football podcast of people saying how the bull system has been so diluted. The games have just become so trivial, even with all that chatter Kleiman and the guys within veneer were able to keep everyone focused and to have them go out and execute almost perfectly through the first, you know, really the first half of the game outside of giving up that late touchdown pass. Like they were, they were damn near flawless in their execution there. And they went out and got a dominant victory over an SEC team. That's the thing I'm going to remember is that Kleiman and company got these guys motivated at a time where it was probably going to be very challenging to do so, and that they went out and just manhandled an SEC team and won a bowl game. That's the thing that I'm going to take away as we get ready to to formally close the book on the 2021 Kansas State football season. So with all that being said, Clint, who, as we all know, has been tracking our fantasy matchups week by week. Uh, we, we didn't do a head-to-head in our little league between myself, Clint, Alex, and Justin this week. We just did an um, aggregate scoring. And, well, Clint gets to flex on us one more time.
1: Well, yeah, no, I, I didn't tell you guys that I won until very recently as far as the bowl game uh, overall uh, point total went because I kind of felt bad. I was hoping one of you guys was going to get a uh, something to – talk about here but sorry guys (laughs) i I beat your ass again (laughs) um you know i i think i'll have to change up scoring a little bit next year because uh you know deuce vaughn was i clearly the number one overall player a total of 329.6 points compared to daniel green at uh, 251 points was the second highest the whole point of this was uh, for parity across the board um you know, but uh, Deuce Vaughn's just a very special player, hard to keep him. I was going to say, I
0: think how you got that weighted, isn't too bad. Just you know, with, for with a trial Deuce run, saw. you
2: did a pretty damn good job. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I'm looking forward to it next year. Maybe uh, this uh, new quarterback with uh, it's going to get a few rushing touchdowns. Uh, Adrian Martinez, and he might be a contestant for top one or two draft picks at least.
2: So we'll just say that a Deuce Vaughn Point only counts as like 0. 0.8 next year.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you know Nutter, you might get the first overall pick if we're going reverse order.
2: Oh shit! Here, here we go, guys. <laughs> the dynasty starts now. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. Um. You know, not a lot to say up, about uh, this one. Uh, did
0: Skyler get, or Deuce get more last night? I'm guessing Deuce probably beat him out.
1: So last. Night, Deuce Vaughn got 34 points. Skyler got 20. Um, you know, I, I really nerfed the quarterbacks in this league not realizing that there was going to be a player like Deuce Vaughn who was just going to go off every single game. Uh, Ross Elder actually got 30 by himself with those, all those uh, tackles ah! and the interception. And then, uh, you know, Justin didn't even really try. I had to set his lineup for him. He still had Joe Irvin in the starting lineup.
2: <laughs> yeah, my bad, guys. I'll, I'll wear that for sure. We just count whatever Irvin does in his first game next year. Can we just do that?
1: Yeah, we, we can have a separate league for all the transfers.
0: Well, good stuff, guys. It's uh It's been fun uh, doing it this year, uh, and we'll um, – We'll do kind of like a, uh, an over overall season recap episode for you guys. And then once we get up close to um, the the second signing day, we'll have another episode dropping for you there as well. So be on the lookout for those to drop into your podcast feed over the course of these next several weeks. Uh, here in the meantime, though, uh, if you guys have any, uh, if you are loyal listeners, have any ideas if you want to do q a and we might do a q a episode i think that now that i say that that's it's a good idea to do that now that the season has finally uh come to a close here so we'll probably put out a, a feeler for some questions here in the next couple of weeks so be on the lookout for that on the college and kimball twitter account again it's just college underscore kimball and with all that said guys we greatly appreciate you our listeners again for for tuning in uh all every you know every week during the course of the season uh we we really went into this during the summer, not really having a clue about what w- what was going to happen, what kind of lis- listenership we would develop. And uh, it was awesome to see, it. we got up close to, uh, to like 5,000 downloads, which I, can, I know that might not sound like a lot to some, but uh, it was awesome to just see and, and hear so many of you um, tell us on Twitter or DMS or whatever, and, uh, that this meant meant so much to you and it's been a lot of fun doing it so we're going to keep on doing it keep giving you guys content here as we get into the off season so thank you guys again and with all that said we'll wrap it up the way we always do cats man if you know you know (laughs)